Shkal and Perkei, Mishnah Base, 5-2, and more on the administration of the Beis HaMikdash. The topic of this Mishnah will be the hierarchy of authority. And let me paint you a fuller picture than the Mishnah does. You see the whole hierarchy in context. There are actually five levels of authority in the Beis HaMikdash, the top of the pile being the Kohen Gadol, who is chosen, chosen by the Sanhedrin, according to most Shittas, maybe with the power of the king, um, as well, according to Tosfos, based on five criteria. The truth is, any Kohen could be eligible as a Kohen Gadol, and during Baishani, Second Temple period, there were plenty Kohanim who didn't meet this criteria, but um, were eligible technically since they were Kohanim. But ideally, the Kohen Gadol should embody the following five traits. Number one, he should be a Yirei Shemayim, fearing, fearful of heaven. He should be a Chacham, wise. He should be handsome, he should be wealthy, and he should be strong. And the din is actually, if he's not wealthy, he's provided with wealth. So that's the ideal Kohen Gadol. Below the Kohen Gadol is the Sagan Kohen Gadol, who is the deputy Kohen Gadol, who really um, is the person who's running most of the day-to-day, like the CEO, if you will, of the uh, affairs of the Beis HaMikdash, and he also attends to the Kohen Gadol himself. Below the Sagan, there are two people called Katalokin, um, the Catalokan, this is probably etymologically connected to the Latin word Catholic, which was subsequently arrogated by the Catholic Church, but originally it means um, people who are universals, um, and that's why the Catholic Church chose, the Christian Church chose Catholic to be the universal-like religion, so to speak. In any case, Lahavdil, Catalokan, there were two of them who were sort of the assistants and attendees of the Skan Kongadal, people who executed what he said he needed to get done. Um, below them, there are, as a Mishnah will say, seven kind of trustees, like a board of directors, um, and those are called Amarkalan. And the Amarkal is really a notricon of two words. It's a portmanteau, a combination of two words um, of Amar, which means when they speak. So then um, it's Kula with a Chaf. It's final. So what they say goes. They have the final word. And they're the ones who would um, choose the various functionaries in the base of English, and they were sort of administrating on a day-to-day. And they would pick, um, amongst other things, the Gizbarin. These are like treasurers of the base of English. The Gizbar features plenty of times throughout Shras Mishnayas here. Um, and according to the Gemara in, in, in Tamid, the Chavzain, the, there were a total of 13 Gizbarin, 13 treasurers, who would handle all the affairs of the Base Mikdash, the purchasing and the selling of assets that came to it, the appraisals, um, the collections, etc. So that's the bigger picture. Now our mission here says, Ein There should be no fewer than three treasurers of the Base Mikdash, um, obviously in direct conflict with, like Mar just quoted to you in Tamid, um, which hold that thought for a second. Umishiva um, and no fewer than seven Amarkalan, seven um members of the board of directors, if you will, of the base of Mikdash. Now, um, those two roles are explicit, so already the Ravid as Akashi says, why in the world does the Mishnah say three when the Gemara says 13? And why also in the world would you have seven people be in charge of three people? That seems a little strange. And therefore he explains that the there were a total of 13 treasurers, let's call them, in the base of Mikdash who attended to the various financial functions that were required in the basic English, you know, the whole back office. But they're doing lots of things. They're doing, um, you know, uh, 
bookkeeping and controlling and, I don't know, paying bills, whatever the Gisborne had to do. But the three mentioned here are three specifically who were involved in the appraisal process. Many times people committed um, to give a like a voluntary gift, a neder nedava, or even an erechenen. Um, sometimes a person would say, like, the value, I'm committing the value of my new book, notebook, computer, Nike tennis shoes, whatever they would say. Um, so then you need to have, like, professional appraisers who would de- determine the value of that, and similarly, to collect. And similarly, um, we said so many times about Bede Kabayas in our Misecht already, when you commit something to the base of Mikdash, Bede Mikdash is going to take that hectish, that consecrated item, which is for Bede Kabayas, for general economic benefit of the base of Mikdash, and monetize it, and they have to figure out, you know, what is the value that they should sell it for, and through the whatever, however they sell it in the based on this gift shop or their eBay website or everything they're going to do to sell it, um, they need to figure out the prices. So for figuring out prices and evaluations um, and and um, of people's equipment, et cetera, that really are Dine Mamanos decisions. They're financial decisions which require a best in, a uh, legal Jewish court, which must be three in number. Um, so therefore, you need to have at least three to do all these functions that require best in, a based in that doing the various um, appraisals that go on with Haraman, Hekdeshos, Nadarim, Nadavos, etc. Okay. Above them are these seven Amar Kalan, as I said, these directors who sort of are the ones who appoint the Gizbarn, and as well as the other roles that we saw in the previous Mishnah. Um, they'll be overseen and picked by the, you know, this, this board of governors, board of directors. Ivan Olsen Sarara al Hatsibor Bamamon Pachos Mishnaim. As a general rule, the Rabbim understands this is going far beyond the scope, the scope of the base of Mikdash. In general, you can't put people in a position of authority, um, financial authority, both to extract or f- to dispose of financial assets that belong to the Tzibor, um, and they can't be allowed to act unilaterally, one at a time. So that means people who are you know, collecting dues or um, who are spending public funds, they shouldn't act alone. They should be in groups of two. This is to avoid any abuse of power or miss, uh, misuse of funds, you know, um, corruption, bribery, etc. So you want to have two people at least in a position of srara. That would include even in your modern-day shul when you're allocating funds and so on. Chutz meben achia shal chole me'ayim. That was mentioned in the previous mission. This fellow, um, ben achia, who was like the doctor, who was in charge of the, you know, the stomach aches and so on, medical needs of the Kawadam and the Beis Mikdash. So he has to spend money to purchase like the medicines that were required to attend to the sick Kohanim. And also Valazar Sha'ala Parochas, Alazar who was in charge of the maintenance of the Parochos, the very the thirteen um, kind of heavy tapestry curtains in the base of English as described in the previous Mishnah. Um, so that costs money, you have to buy supplies, new wool and so on. So those two um, were entitled to act unilaterally. Sha'osan Kiblu Rov had because for those two, the majority of the community accepted them as being acceptable to act unilaterally, and we trust them, we allowed them. Perhaps it's a function both of their integrity as well as the relatively limited scope of how much money they're spending to buy medicines and wool to fix tapestries. Um, there are clearly other roles in the previous Mishnah that would require the expenditure of, of public funds, like, for example, to dig ditches, etc. So um, the answer seems to be that while we did list various people in the previous Mishnah who were in charge of roles which might cost money to execute, but 
they probably had teams under them. In other words, the person who's in charge of making sure there's water supply by digging ditches. So, you know, that may be true. That's his job. But but um, he had like a team of people under him and so on. So he wasn't acting unilaterally.